Hi, hello, my name is Maris and welcome to my show, Critical Root Zone, where we dig deep with inquiring minds to get to the root of sustainability, going below the surface to rebuild trust while supporting all voices on our journey to a climate positive planet. Welcome back to episode four of the People and Planet series. To recap, we had Howard Gentry in the first two episodes where we told his story and what a criminal court clerk can do for our society. And in episode three, we meet Reggie Ford, an author and activist of today that tells us his story to open our eyes and inspire us to find hope and light in this world that can be ugly and dark. So what does all this have to do with saving the planet? In this final episode, we tie it all in. Welcome back, Reggie Ford. Welcome back to CRZ, Reggie Ford, episode four. How do you feel about it? I feel great. I feel great. Hopefully we close it out in a good way. I mean, obviously. (laughs) The vibes are high in here. They're high in here. Yeah. I feel so much gratitude for this conversation. We've put a lot of planning into this and time, Mm -hmm. and it's so important. This conversation is about to set off the journey for me. I mean, this is... A long time coming. I mean, I've been figuring out what I really want to talk about on this show and getting more comfortable in this place. And I feel extremely blessed to share it with you and Howard. So I'm blessed. Oh, my goodness. No, it's an honor. Well, the first couple of episodes, we had Howard Gentry on this show. And I mean, a legend. Legend. And we talked about what he does on a day-to-day basis, being the criminal court clerk here in Nashville, how his story plays into what we all have carried, but what the black community has carried and is carrying to this day and how it prevents us from really connecting with each other and and growing and being this united nation that we want to be in order to tackle this climate crisis. Because I really, I am invested in people. That's what I'm learning. I've always been invested in people but the planet is my, that's my God. Yeah. Like Mother Earth is yeah. my God. That is my spirit. That's why I'm here. And the more I learn, mo- <laughs> wow, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to align the stories, right? I've been listening to a lot of it is what it's, it's not what it is. It's what you do with it, mm. right? It's not where you are. It's where you want to go. Mm. And my experience right now is, Climate change, what, what do we want to do with it, right? right? It's uh, doom and gloom and media and all these <laughs> horrific things are happening. What are we going to do? The right. clock's ticking. <laughs> um, it's, it, well, how can we do anything looking at it like that? Yeah. But yeah. how can we even look at that at all yeah. if we're not centered as a human race, as we're not finding ways to listen and hear and understand each other? Mm-hmm. You wrote a book. I wrote a book. I don't know how, but I wrote it. Go get it. (laughs) Um, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction by Reggie Ford. I read this book after meeting you, which we, I wanted to talk about how we reconnected. You're a phenomenal yoga instructor. And I met you like when you were teaching yoga. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) We worked out together after that too. It was like you and I were like, 
actually going really hard because you made me go hard. <laughs> I was I had just taught yoga and we went over to this. I guess it was connected to the event and they were leading a quick hit workout. I'm like, I'm gonna get a little sweat in. Little one. And Maris is going hard. I'm like, I can't let this girl outdo me. <laughs> so she had me doing burpees and everything else. Uh, but it was it was fun. Little did you know I was a hot box fitness I know, instructor. Right? Yeah. I knew you did something. You're I like, knew you did no, something, but but that was our that was our first um, that we met that day, and then mm-hmm. we, whatever it was like a year and a half later. That had to be like probably at least. maybe a little longer. And how significant is it that we met at a June a remet at a Juneteenth panel? Mm, that's that was what that was. Yeah, through Frederick. Yeah, <laughs> Frederick, Frederick took me to Soho House on a whim. It mm-hmm. was a random night that I just decided I was going to go hang out and we made it into Soho House and wow. I was sitting there listening and honestly I didn't really know a lot about Juneteenth. Okay. And hearing the panel and it was about all these positive things. Mm-hmm. You know, in the room I was one of the few white people there. Mm-hmm. I felt so honored to be there. Yeah. I felt so just I was locked in. Right. And then you sat down right in front of me. Yeah. And you just I mean we're we're watching I'm like, okay, so, okay, yeah, you sit there, okay. And you turn around and you're like, Maris. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. I don't forget a face. <laughs> I don't forget a face. It was awesome. I knew immediately when you told me what, yeah. where I met you from, I knew immediately. But that's significant. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The universe kept pushing us together. Absolutely. It's but, alignment. Yeah. But even at that Juneteenth panel, right before I talked about climate change at mm-hmm. Monterey, when yeah. I was on a panel. Yeah. Which was on Juneteenth. <laughs> yes. Wild. Oh, man. That brings it all together. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean... Then I got your book. I mean, you're like, I'm an author. Like, side side note, I'm an author. Whoa. <laughs> I don't just My teach job. yoga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I read your book, and we talked a little bit about that in the previous episode yes. about, I mean, my favorite chapter. I love the whole thing, but I thought <laughs> chapter 10 really stuck out to me is you, you painted a picture so vividly, but you also used a lot of facts. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm all about facts. I'm all about the truth. Yeah. I'm all about just plain old facts. Right. And a lot of what you, you've you gone through in your life, the trauma that you've endured is what has brought you to my to my <laughs> table today. <laughs> like that is where I want to go again with this. Like sure. sustainability and trauma yeah. are linked. Yeah, yeah. Um. The question is, right, is uh, do you think that people of different races view or feel sustainability or the or the act to want to care about the environment differently? Yeah. So I can answer that from my perspective, which True. as yeah. a young black male perspective, that that's what you'll get. Uh, my perspective. Sure. Um, and honestly, I, I'll say absolutely from my experience. Absolutely. I've I've been in different environments, as I alluded to in the first episode, with um, super wealthy, super white, super black, super impoverished, uh, and everywhere in between type of folks. And when it comes to things like sustainability, there is a true disconnect uh, from how each demographic treats it or even views it. Um, And in like, for instance, growing up in poverty it was to have a recycling bin 
to have the space for the recycling bin and then to put stuff in the recycling bin is such an afterthought mm. when you're trying to figure out where is the next meal coming from, yes. right? Mm. There are so many needs that have to be met for a person to then get to that level where they're starting to care about things outside of themselves. Yeah. I think that goes back to what what uh, you and Mr. Gentry were talking about, right? You have to you have to heal within. Going back to the trauma, right? There, yes. there's a lot of trauma that we all face internally, um, whether it's trauma that we had experience in our own personal lives or it's trauma that we've had from other experiences being connected to other things for you know white people it may be some trauma associated with oh my gosh one of my you know ancestors was a slave owner or oh my gosh I experienced I heard about something that happened to somebody it doesn't have to happen to you personally for you to be affected by it so like all of those things are happening to our bodies and in our minds and it's playing out in our everyday life and so if your need or if your everyday focus is on either fixing or 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 overcoming that trauma not fixing overcoming that trauma or is trying to get a basic need like Think if you didn't have Eric Thomas, the the motivational speaker. He 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 blew up after he told the story of the guy being held underwater, and he's like, "How bad do you want to succeed?" He's like, "I don't know." Put him back underwater. How bad do you want to succeed? I don't know. And then he held him under there, and he lifted him up, and he said, "Until you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you'll be successful." So when you take mm. something as vital as air away from a person. And it's not air, it's it's money, it's housing, it's food, it's shelter, it, it, housing. And and you take that away from somebody, they're not going to have, they're not going to be able to think about anything else. Right. You're not going to be able to think about anything else mm-hmm. but that. So you get laser focused on that. And so until those needs are met, then you can get to this point of, man, okay, now what can I do? That's when you see people helping out each other. That's when you see the ego on the side and the community starts to build. And then when that community starts to build, that's when we care about generations down the line, when we care about sustainability, when we care about the climate. But until those basic needs are met on a grand scale, I think you'll still see people who really do not care about, not care, but don't see the significance in caring about the environment, you know, I I was just thinking about something on the way over here because I was driving behind a car and a McDonald's bag came out the window. Mm. And just being like a neat freak, that just drives me crazy. It's like you're going to see a trash can somewhere, right? But you don't see a cane prime bag ever being thrown out, right? Like that McDonald's bag signifies Mm. more than just a bag Mm. being thrown out of a car. Powerful. It is. It is. Who goes to McDonald's? Why Why are you going to McDonald's? Why are you feeling like you have to eat in the car and, and you're ripping and running to wh- whatever it may be, right? That that There's a whole backstory to that, mm-hmm. not just a bag coming out. And so I used to be mad about that. Why are you? But there's so much more than that. You just, oh, you just did that, didn't you? We, we can't drop the mic. We can't. You can't drop it because the these mics are expensive. <laughs> We're not going to drop these mics, but. Reggie. But yeah. What a concept. I mean, listen. I live in East Nashville, as you know. I live in a lower-income housing area, and I struggle daily with the trash that's around, man. Like, this has been a a personal issue for me because I love engaging or trying to inspire people on a regular basis. You know, everything has shifted. It's like exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. Finding empathy and compassion because it's a deeper 
challenge. It's mm-hmm. deeper story than that. Like what would force someone, what would just not force, but like allow someone to just think, I'm just going to dump this whole KFC bag out of my car when I yep. get out of it and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Why, how does this person not feel included in the big picture? Yes. Why do they not have a purpose? Like, I think I have purpose. Yeah. How do I, ha- how do I help them? Mm-hmm. That's where, I, that's where I'm coming from now is how do I tell their story? Mm-hmm. But it's not me telling their story. Yeah. They, they yeah. need to tell their yeah. story. And I was going to say that, that is a great point that you pointed out. It's like, like, you, you then take on this complex of I'm in this power position to get them to to then do this. It's like mm-hmm. you have to empower others, yeah. right? Everyone has to be empowered to then come to the table to tell their story, to then talk about their path, to then heal, to get to the place where we need to be. You know, y'all were talking about, um, you and Mr. Gentry are talking about the homeless population. And it just, like, this is on a extreme level, but you know, you you have let's say you have a, a a man sleeping on the street, and you're coming up to him talking about sustainability, or if we clean this up, if we do this, do this, and it, and 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 I'm only speaking from what I can assume, but in that person's mind, right, you're telling them not to throw trash on the ground, but they may feel like the society has treated them as trash and thrown them there. So they're sleeping next to the trash you're telling them to pick up. Mm. You can't you can't get someone to see the life from your perspective if they are are living in those situations. Okay. And so you take just a step further and okay, now you have a roof over your head, but then so many of those needs still aren't met. It's it's it yeah, you got to you got to keep inching away at it until people feel sustained within themselves and within their environment, within their lives to then care about sustainability on a global sense. And to feel safe. Yeah. Oh, safety is a part of it all. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest barriers for me are just, um, you know, because I want to have these conversations and I want to elevate people and and look at what I do. I mean, the reason why I'm still in fitness, Mm -hmm. why I love my job with Hotbox and what I do there is because I empower people on the regular to love themselves. And that's so important to me. Absolutely. That's the baseline. That's the baseline. You gotta, you gotta be good inside your heart and inside your body. And you said in your book, you said the first step to understanding others is to understand yourself. Listen to and be honest with yourself. When you understand others, you're better equipped to sympathize with them. You should make it a point to see life from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's every day. Dude. Yeah, the two quotes. I mean, be the change you wish to see the world, but seek to understand. Yes. Yes. Rather than to be understood. Oh, yes. That's my favorite quote. Absolutely. And it's like, it's changed my world mm-hmm. because it's not about me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not about what I can do. Right. It's about how I can join others, how I can collectively raise other people up. Yeah. And that's, ha- yeah. That's where the true power is because we're, we're, we're only so strong uh, individually. We, as a collective, we get so much stronger. And that what I really loved about having uh, Mr. Gentry and myself on the podcast was, you know, we have two different perspectives coming from two different backgrounds. And but but we we need his wisdom and his experience. And we also need my energy and youthfulness and, and sometimes ignorance because those things come together and solutions are driven from that. 
And so, like, you need that. You need your voice and your platform to do the thing. Like, if we all come together as collective, it's very uh, powerful as opposed to going out and trying to do something by ourselves. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, how, if I can ask, like, how do we accelerate this change, right? We want to come together and, and, make, and make this happen. And from someone like me, how do I... How, how does, and maybe this is just a, a question that will stand because I don't think that just like climate change and the environment, like there's not one solution to, to this. There's right. not like a, oh yeah, that's what we need to do. Right. Um, but for the white community, my people that I talk to, for instance, if mm-hmm. I ask one of my friends like, hey, you know, how do you feel about... George Floyd or, you know, or just what, what's happened in our country, if I bring something up, I, I'll tell you nine times out of ten, a lot of them don't want to talk about right. it. Yes. They are really freaked out about it, actually. Right. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to have that conversation. Like, oh, right. no, and they, right. like, back away. <laughs> they don't want to talk about it, True. but they also are still feeling empathy. Mm-hmm. They feel shame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you wrote about that here, too. I, I mean, absolutely. Let, you, ta- you touched you on that, but that, I'm going to yeah. find this quote I love of your book. I think, I think that that response that you get is one of the things that has held us back from progressing all of these years right when when you can't admit that something atrocious happened when you can't admit that um there is there has been a problem then you never can solve it right if you if you went to let's say you went to a therapist and you're in there and like I'm fine like you're not going to heal anything. There's right. no processing that's going to be done there. But when you start to say, okay, well, this happened to me and I respond this way. And, and now you can start to break some of those things down. But the issue with where we are as a country and as a society is we have shied away from those conversations because there is so much shame yeah. and guilt yeah. and fear there that we don't even have the conversation. It, it wasn't until 2020 for a lot of people that I knew where they were like, oh, racism still exists. And in my eyes, I'm like, I've, I've every day of my life, what do right. you mean? And, and so it took mm. everyone sitting at home, stay at home orders, watching TV or watching TV or being on social media to see mm-hmm. that murder happen on film to then open their eyes. But it shouldn't take that. And it shouldn't take the countless others that that happen to um, to to really get to a point where we're having these conversations. And and I think it it starts so early. So so to your question, I, I don't know the end all be all solution, but I think acknowledgement and having these conversations and this dialogue definitely helps. Starts very early. I had a I have a niece. I'm married to a white woman, and so I have a niece who is a white. Let's say she's seven years old. And one day she just matter-of-factly pointed out, you're the only brown person in here, right? She didn't say black because black is a race that was created. She said, you're the only brown person. And yes, if you look at her crayon and look at my skin, they are about the same, right? And then immediately her older sister, who's probably had a comment like that or two in the past, was like, no, don't say that. That's rude. It's like, no, let's start to have that Mm. conversation because that's when our brains are starting to, you know, go through that processing of that person looks a little bit different from me. And I saw a person that looked like that on TV do this. And, you know, when we all of those things play a role in our subconscious that that then, you know, result in 
systemic or, you know, implicit systemic racism or implicit bias. Like you go through life and not understand that you are holding these things, but it starts that early. It starts even earlier than that, right? They're, they're tests that are formed, that are done with, with kids, that with babies, um, as soon as they're able to point and understand what you're, you're saying. And mm. they're associating the darker skin, you know, picture doll with bad and the lighter skin one with good. Mm. And so we need to start having the why, why does our world shape a mind that way and how do we move from that? But yeah. it, it starts with admitting. Mm. In your book, you for white bodies, Menachem. Yeah, Menachem is an author of He's this book. He's an author. Yes, the, um, grandmother's hands. My grandmother's. My grandmother's hands. hands. Yeah, racialized trauma and the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies. Yeah, it's a great you, book. You cited a lot of really great books. I can't wait to read. There's yes. like a whole list in the yes. back of this book. You said for white bodies, Menachem explains that the the trauma arises from the implication in such heinous atrocities, which we we're talking about George Floyd. Um, when left unaddressed, it prevents the acceptance of racial injustice and thwarts the buildup of stamina to combat the issues that have resulted in white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It presents itself as white fragility, the discomfort and defensiveness on the part of a white person when confronted by information about racial inequality and injustice until the truth is accepted and stamina to discuss these issues is enhanced there will be no healing in a cross communal sense. And you even went as far to touch or well, Menachem, you put this in your book, discusses the healing process that blue bodies mm-hmm. police must go through. Mm-hmm. When each of these healing processes take place, communal healing can be addressed. No healing can be accomplished if all parties aren't willing to take the steps to heal on their own first. And you said something in our conversation a couple of days ago or last week, the ego, ego, ego must go away. Yeah. We have to be okay with being wrong or ignorant or just sit mm. down, be quiet. Mm. Yes. And yes. listen. Yes. And and have this, again, the stamina for that because, again, we're starting to see it now. So in 2020, everybody's talking about it, right? Everybody is sitting down having DEI panels and, and, and discussing what happened and this and that. And then... Huge. It's huge. Where, yeah. Where, where are we now when the world starts to open up, right? Do black lives still matter? Mm. Are we still having these conversations? That's the stamina we're talking about. It, yeah. can't, it can't just end. And then we wait for the next you know, murder to happen right. and then it's, right. it's, it's, it's all stirred up again. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we have to have the stamina, but, but have these, pro- the, 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 um, productive steps forward to then start to heal. But yes, you have to, you have to heal within, yeah. right? You, you see the, the, the Buddhists and the, and the, and the monks, right? They, they are all about peace because their whole work is about healing in their self, right? Know thyself, heal thyself. And then you start to heal the world. And I think that that that's the piece that um, is missing when when we need when, when within the yes. cross communal connections that then gets us to helping this world heal. Heal thyself, know thyself. Got to. <sighs> Got to. That's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna end this episode <laughs> is right there. It's all about the healing from within, and you've done quite a bit of healing and we're all, we're all going to continue to do healing. I think it's a I, journey. I, um, I myself personally have been doing a lot of healing too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really been able to open up my capabilities and what I'm able to do yes. and the purpose that I feel in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, go out and get this book. 
PTSD by Reggie Ford, um, perseverance through severe dysfunction. But besides that, I just want to express extreme gratitude for being able to hold this conversation with you and Howard Gentry for just the vulnerability and um, openness to discuss these things is is just the, it's just the beginning. Yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing where this where we're going to take this. Absolutely. Really excited. I'm excited too. Oh, and I appreciate goodness. you for having me. Appreciate oh, you. So, so great. Well, man, this is the end of people and planet. Um, just for now, because the series is just the beginning. And, um, as you all know, I love to hear from you. If you have ideas, feedback, anything like that, please send me a message. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, uh, critical root zone at Gmail as well. Instagram at critical root zone. And if you want to start a podcast, I've got the crew here in Nashville at Elm Hill studios, send me an email and we'll hook it up. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, critical root zone. You get to see our beautiful faces and this That's whole right. entire thing. And this amazing <laughs> studio, like seriously, when you watch it on YouTube, it's just, it's a whole nother world. So Thank you all for listening and tuning in. And until the next episode on CRZ, we cannot love the planet unless we love each other. We can't love each other unless we love ourselves. So be sure to ask questions, inspire others to do better. And we can do anything when we stand united. listening to Critical Root Zone. If you'd like to reach out, email us at criticalrootzone at gmail.com. Critical Root Zone is produced in Nashville, Tennessee, copyright 2022.